Welcome to Doing a World of Good, a podcast from the American Institute of Chemical Engineers and generously supported by Raj and Kumla Gupta, shining the light on the positive works of our members and supporters. I'm your host, Bob Norp. In 2019, AICHE celebrated the launch of the Langer Prize, named after Dr. Robert Langer, the famed and off-cited MIT researcher who also, incidentally, has been a past guest on this program. Now, the annual unrestricted award of up to $100,000 is by far the largest and most prominent prize given by our organization and was designed to assist innovative young researchers and entrepreneurs in the furthering of their work. And today, we're pleased to welcome not only one of the driving forces behind the creation of the award, but also the very first recipient of the prize. First, we have Dr. Amir Nishat, a managing partner at venture capital firm Polaris Partners. Amir is a former student of Bob Langer's, an investor in many of Bob's startups, and the man who was one of the earliest and most enthusiastic advocates for the creation of the prize. Amir, welcome. Thank you for having me. Now, next up, we welcome Dr. Cesar De La Fuente, Presidential Assistant Professor in Bioengineering, Microbiology, and Psychiatry at the University of Pennsylvania. Cesar became the first recipient of the Langer Prize in 2019 for his work in machine biology and antibiotic discovery by means of computers. Cesar, welcome. It's great to be here. Now, I suppose the best place to start would be the research that brought so much attention to you, Cesar. Could you tell us a little bit about the prize, about the work that won you the prize, I should say, and how it has progressed since last year? Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So one of my lab's main goals is to provide solutions to the global health problem of antibiotic resistance that is uh, projected to kill 10 million people annually by 2050, even surpassing cancer as a cause of death um, in our society. It's important to, you know, to really emphasize that antibiotics are the foundation of modern medicine. Nothing, if you think about it, would be possible without them. They protect us from infections stemming from injuries and childhood maladies and make surgeries, transplants, childbirth, and chemotherapy possible. So we desperately need new antibiotics. And my lab believes that we can no longer rely on nature to provide such molecules because she may have run out of inspiration. And, <laughs> That's a good way to put you know, it. <laughs> and, and, and so uh, what we are trying to do is actually train computers to, uh, to design new antibiotics for us with really minimal uh, human intervention. And the Langer Prize was awarded for our work uh, using AI for antibiotic discovery and the promise, uh, really, this entire entirely new field holds. Uh, we've shown so far that computers can be trained to create antibiotic molecules that work in animal models. So, um, again, we can now use uh, drugs that machines have designed for us to kill bacterial infections in, in rodents. Um, in addition uh, to creating new antibiotics by means of computers, we're also fascinated by the idea of discovering new medicines in places where people have not traditionally looked before. And if you look around biology, uh, it's really incredibly rich in such places. And so with, um, in order to mine biology, uh, searching for such molecules, we've, uh, we've uh, developed a number of uh, algorithms uh, inspired 
by uh, image and speech recognition algorithms that we're all very familiar with because they recognize our facial expressions, our sounds uh, every single day. Um, and um, but in order, uh, you know, instead of recognizing um, images or sounds, we wanted to recognize molecular patterns that constituted antibiotics. And so that's what we did. We essentially developed a, a number of uh, search engines to find antibiotics in uh, biological databases. And uh, just more specifically, recently, we've applied such algorithms to mine the entire human body uh, to uh, find uh, thousands of these uh, previously undescribed tiny molecular fragments that are uh, hidden within the realm of bodies uh, that we are we're actually calling encrypted antibiotics, and we're very excited about them. So I, just to conclude, I have to say that the Langer Prize has, without a doubt, helped accelerate our work around training computers to create new antibiotics with, uh, with very minimal uh, human intervention. Now, expand on that a little bit about the computers and the algorithms you created. Would it be right to assume that this is um, an artificial intelligence solution, or is this more from the standpoint of just algorithms working in conjunction with the databases available on these existing drugs? Yeah, I would say this is an artificial intelligence solution. Uh, we are using prior uh, data uh, in order to inform both the development of, of new drugs and the discovery of new drugs. Uh, but the AI is really uh, becoming more and more autonomous in its ability uh, to, to, again, to uh, derive solutions to this, to this problem. And so uh, we're really using a, a number of different disciplines. Uh, my lab, um, you know, we're called the machine biology group. And uh, basically we're interested in that interplay between machines and, and biological systems. And, of course, in order to be at that intersection, you need to uh, bring together a convergence of approaches. And so we have people in the lab that are, are chemists, we have uh, computer scientists, we have biologists, uh, we have synthetic biologists, uh, all working together uh, to try to, again, teach computers uh, the secrets of biology uh, so that we can, uh, so that they actually, as you say, they can uh, provide solutions to some of these uh, really big problems, right? For example, uh, the problem of antibiotic resistance that I mentioned. Right, right. Now, this work is fascinating. It's uh, really amazing what you've managed to achieve. I want to turn now to Amir. Amir, you obviously must see hundreds of pitches from aspiring entrepreneurs every year. It's got to be a complicated decision-making process, even for the simplest of ideas. But in the realm of blue sky ideas, the kind of work that Cesar is involved in is pretty dizzying. I mean, the amount of opportunities that are presented in the work that he's doing. So how do you approach these types of complicated investment opportunities? What do you look for? How do you decide if a project is worth your attention? Yeah, I think um, it's a good question. You know, there's obviously lots of people trying different things all the time and being innovative, which is the beauty of, of you know, the academic infrastructure that this country, United States, has benefited from. And now we're seeing that, you know, across the world. I think um, in general, what certainly we look for and I look for is, number one, the impact. You know, can, you know, will this innovation, you know, does the entrepreneur, the individual, who the inventor, you know, have a, in mind a, a benefit that's, you know, per, you know, profound? You know, will the world be different um, after the success of this, you know, this adventure? And if the answer is yes, then I think it really kind of catches our eyes. Um, and then 
it's really the people themselves, you know, are they, you know, kind of have the right acumen to make a big profound discovery. You know, it's it, part of it's not just like the smarts, but also the grit and the stick with it. You know, most, most things eventually work out having not worked out for a long time or even that, which I, I shouldn't say most things, but certainly the big things, usually we get to them as a, a society through circuitous routes of, you know, inventors going down different alleys. And, and so that grit um, is really, really important in, in, you know, to kind of complement the incredible, you know, creativity and the incredible um, genius that's required to make these big profound discoveries. And so, yeah, so I think it's like kind of impacting people when, when you see like, you know, those two things intersect, you get pretty excited, certainly, you know, and, and, you know, something, you know, a lot of times we're investing in ideas that are literally just ideas. They're not, you know, there's not necessarily all the proof that people would want to see, but, you know, there's a certain amount of belief that's required that people will figure out the details and get to the finish line. And so, and you know, society has clearly benefited from all these people like Cesar who have made an impact in medicines and such. You know, I've interviewed uh, quite a few entrepreneurs over the years in different capacities. And that comment about the team being really important, knowing the people and knowing do they have the grit to, to make it through to the end, that comes up again and again. How do you measure that? How do you evaluate the, um, the, the talent to, you know, the talent and stick to to actually get the project done? It's, I mean, I think, you know, it's, um, people are, you know, it's like, it's a little bit like, how do you evaluate outliers? It's, it's kind of hard, right? I mean, right. You, I think in some ways the past, you know, you look to as much of the past, um, as you can and see if there are, you know, there's obviously that kind of path that someone's on that drive, you know, the, the path that has kind of defined them. But I don't think the past is necessarily defined by credentials. You know, like, you know, a lot of the great people that have made huge impacts, you know, didn't always, you know, weren't in the best places necessarily, didn't start in those places. They weren't the ones that everybody said, oh, they're going to make a big impact. They, they were, there's a certain contrarianism, a certain outsider element that also defines a lot of people that make big impacts for society. So it's, you know, it's quite a big landscape of, parameters and i don't think there's one that that necessarily i found is the one you look for i think it's you know i would say probably an ability to stay really positive through adversity and just being super creative and smart about you know kind of solving problems and then really going after big problems i think you know you you can see threads of it in the things they've done in the past but I don't think you can, I haven't found, I mean, to be honest with you, I haven't found necessarily like a formula that says, it, you know, that people will be successful in an entrepreneurial endeavor or not, you know, from some sort of profile or biomarker. I, you know, I think that the, the reality also is that the people themselves don't really know they're going to be successful, but they're going to go for it. And it's the, pro, it's the journey, I think, that's more, more important than, the, than trying to look at the past. So as we embark on these, you know, these adventures together, these, you know, these new exploits, you start to see real time as data is coming in and results are turning out good or bad or whatnot. You start to see whether people are going to continue to be successful. Um, it's the ability to kind of deal with, you know, with the data adversity, um, the various 
different pushes and pulls that, that's coming along as they're trying to advance their stuff. You know, um, the business people having their drive, you know, their their hot buttons, the other scientists, the team, all these things start to kind of impinge upon it. And um, just like great CEOs, you know, the moment kind of defines them and they're created through the act of actually doing it. And that's how you see people similarly like Cesar will be successful as they go through the effort itself. It's it's not like you're like, I don't think you can predict it. I think you just have to do it. And when you do it, you start to learn if you want to keep doing it again and again. Um, And that's what, you know, what's so cool about things like prizes and incubators, et cetera, is they allow lots and lots of people to take their shot at it, you know, to take a try at being entrepreneurial um, and try to invent things. That's a perfect jumping off point to my next question, which is why is the Langer Prize important for the advancement of chemical engineering and bio-related engineering as a profession? I mean, it sounds like, you know, prizes um, are an important part of this equation in terms of trying to get new ideas funded. So, you know, how is this important to this particular industry? And I'd love to hear from both of you, um, starting with Amir. Well, I think that, you know, I mean, there's a lot in your question. I mean, I think that um, prizes broadly have been shown not by the Langer Prize, but but in many venues, um, prizes have been shown to pretty be pretty powerful reward and recognition tools for people trying, you know, kind of tough, you know, hard to do things. You know what I mean? Um, and so, when you're taking big risks, prizes can a lot of times, you know, be very useful motivators um, as well as very useful reward systems. So. I think, you know, there's like the Millennium Prize and the Nobel Prize, you know, et cetera. So, you know, the Langer Prize will hopefully be at that level um, at some point. Um, and so I think that, you know, to me, the other part of your question is chemical engineering. You know, I heard in your question and chemical engineering is an interesting discipline. You know, I, I had been educated in various different engineering disciplines before getting a PhD in chemical engineering. And of all the things that I was taught, chemical engineering definitely had built in it the way it was taught to me at least, but I think that's actually pretty core to the curriculum. A foundation of how to think about problems transcending a particular area. Like, you know, when I studied mechanical engineering, you know, I was studying very specific things that are kind of mechanical engineering things. When I was taught chemical engineering, that same was true when I was a material scientist, but when I studied chemical engineering, they were all my professors kept trying to show me how the equations and the tools and the ideas they were teaching me could be used in all these different areas. So there's something about chemical engineering that makes it somehow an application of a mindset, a philosophy, a problem-solving attitude. And so it can go in many different directions. And so I think a prize, like a Langer Prize, it rewards people moving into hard-to-solve problems somewhat fearlessly. It's actually quite you know, quite consistent with the way that chemical engineers are taught very early in their careers. I mean, Cesar is actually probably, you know, more of one than I, you know, he's a professor, so he would, you could speak to this more than I could, but I was just a recipient of education, never actually gave it out. So, uh, you know, I want to hear his thoughts on this as being, you know, probably more profound than mine. But that, that was my impression. You know, prizes are good. I think chemical engineers have the ability to be very diverse in their thinking and make impact in many fields. So, so creating a prize that allows people to have the freedom and the flexibility to go out there and try new stuff to, in chemical engineering to seem like the right thing to do. 
Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and, and you know, Bob's name is obviously perfect for that, right? You know, because that is Bob's career. You know, it's starting, you know, just really breaking boundaries, right? And so, the Langer Prize is aptly named. I mean, you know, for for that kind of exploit. That that answers my follow up question, and that's a fantastic summary of why the prize is important, and it's a good lead off to Cesar. I mean. Cesar, what's your thoughts on this? What what most drew you to apply for the award in the first place? What impact do you see it having on the future for other researchers, inventors, innovators, entrepreneurs? Um, where do you see this prize fitting into the universe of chemical engineering? Sure. And, and, and first, I wanted to echo Amir's uh, comments on the uh, the need for uh, grit and resiliency in uh, innovation. Uh, you absolutely need it. You have to be willing to walk through walls uh, virtually uh, to really try to achieve that nobody has uh, something that nobody has achieved before. So you really need to have that sort of mentality. I'd liken it to uh, an Olympian-like mentality of of really uh, pushing and pushing uh, to levels that may uh, seem incoherent at, at times. <laughs> uh, um, but but I think I think prices um, like the Langer Prize are important. Uh, because in those moments of self-doubt where nothing is working and you perhaps start doubting yourself, um, having a recognition like the Langer Prize that uh, serves to elevate your ideas in, in perhaps moments of, of uh, extreme fragility are you know, extremely important to have uh, such incentives. Um, specifically, the Langer Prize, I think it, it provides a unique opportunity to take an idea that may perhaps be a little bit crazy and, and give it a real shot. And uh, it, it enables that pursuit of blue sky ideas with potential uh, to change the world in some way. And, um, you know, we can all agree that biology is, is probably the next scientific frontier. frontier uh, and using uh, principles from chemical engineering and uh, biological engineering are certainly at the heart of, of trying to understand and uh, program biology to yield applications and technologies to, to benefit us all. Uh, in terms of what drew me to, to apply to the award, uh, obviously, Bob is probably the most successful bioengineer and chemical engineer I know, and uh, certainly an inspiring figure to all. And so it was exciting uh, to go through the application process. And, uh, you know, I'm certain that the prize moving forward uh, will help accelerate, like I mentioned, out-of-the-box ideas uh, that can uh, that hopefully can be translated into something tangible and, and useful uh, for the world. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward personally to being a part of the Langer Prize community uh, in, in years to come. Yeah, that's particularly interesting, the fact that it is building a community, a, a college of experts, and the fact that it's under Bob's name is, is a really key to you know the continued success and growth of the prize. Um, he seems to be really well regarded throughout the entire industry. Um, Cesar, what other areas are you currently working in? I mean, any new research or development projects that our audience might be interested in learning a little bit more about? Because uh, obviously the Langer Prize is not just about the work that you were doing, but it's about helping you to uh, succeed in everything that you're going to be doing going forward. So what other areas are you working in? Sure. So we're working on a number of what I find very exciting projects at the moment, including uh, developing technologies for microbiome engineering and antibiotic discovery. Uh, for example, we just published a paper uh, in PNAS two days ago 
where we repurposed a venom from a wasp into a new class of antibiotics uh, with efficacy in uh, a number of clinically relevant animal models. And importantly, the synthetic molecules that we made in the lab, they conferred protection against lethal sepsis, uh, which uh, is a condition that kills 11 million people per year. This mm. actually corresponds to 20% of all global deaths, uh, to put it into perspective. And which actually, sepsis actually contributes to a lot of uh, COVID-19 related deaths. So we're, we're quite excited about these, these new results. And, uh, you know, we're also, uh, we're also working on uh, a number of other projects, uh, COVID-19 related projects. And for example, uh, we're uh, developing a low, low cost diagnostic test uh, that can detect the, the virus within minutes. And um, I have to say that uh, from the very onset of the pandemic, uh, as a scientist uh, myself in the infectious disease space, I felt a responsibility to contribute in any way possible to this uh, very difficult time uh, to, to see if we could uh, put our minds together in my team to, 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 uh, to help save some lives. And uh, really our goal is to develop this uh, diagnostic test uh, further uh, to deploy it uh, as, as broadly as possible. Um, and, and really the, the, the vision is to get, uh, obviously, population level surveillance and uh, outbreak monitoring. Uh, and, and, and based on our, our most recent calculations, if we are able to uh, deploy such a point of care uh, test uh, that is, of course, sufficiently inexpensive and, and, and rapid, uh, this would allow us to regularly test a large enough fraction of the population uh, to give us an effect like uh, similar to that of, of a vaccine in the end, if you, if you have, can control um, and monitor uh, the infection uh, throughout the population. And so that's our goal at the moment, and, and we're working uh, pretty hard to achieve it, to try to achieve it. That's really fascinating. And I hear also that congratulations are in order for yet another prize that you received recently. You've recently been named one of the 35 under 35, award, uh, one of the 35 under 35 recipients. So congratulations to you. Thank you, Bob. And Amir, you're obviously got your, your ear to the ground on a number of different fronts. What are some of the more exciting ideas you've seen in the healthcare space? And what areas do you think might be fertile for fresh thinking and new innovations from future Langer Prize winners? I think this I think this is a very hard question to answer because it seems like in the last five years or so every year, there's an even, you know, like an expansion of the exciting opportunity space that people are working in. I mean, you know, if you if you look at the impact in the last five years that computation has been making in the biological sciences um, and the chemical sciences, if you look at the interface between traditionally what we would have separated as like the bacterial world and the mammalian cell, you know, kind of non-bacterial world and the virus world or whatever, you know, yes, these organisms would interact, but the movement of biology between them, you know, like using synthetic biology, and, you know, gene therapy and all these things. I mean, it's just incredible how many new and provocative kind of ideas people are, are working on. And then, you know, obviously there's a huge explosion and the ability to, to kind of take, you know, knowledge from clinical medicine, like stem cell, you know, genetics from human patient, then they move it into basic research. 
where you can then, you know, kind of create cells and reagents that then I discover drugs to and then put it back in patients, you know, cell therapy itself um, and reprogramming. I mean, it's just, it's just shocking actually how much is happening, you know, last five years that, you know, they were all independent threads and they were kind of, you know, moving along. And then all of a sudden there's like this massive um, increase, almost like a singularity in, in innovation in our world. So I, I don't know that I can answer your question in terms of like, what's the one thing I'm excited about? I'm kind of shocked at how much there is that's exciting. You know, um, a lot of thought is going into, you know, trying to understand cancer better. And every time a new theory comes out, we get a little closer, but then we hit a limit. And then a new, another new approach jumps on top of that. And people keep pushing forward there. Um, I think, you know, the big open space, I'm not sure, you know, how long it'll take us to make great progress, but certainly the open space is really the cognition, the brain and diseases of the brain and behavior, you know, like how, you know, that, that whole kind of loop is, is, um, you know, really, really troubling from a, from a societal standpoint, how many people suffer from, you know, diseases or illnesses that have to do with cognition and, 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 you know, their, their behavior and their thoughts, et cetera. And we just need to do a better job of that. I mean, we found some molecules that seem to ameliorate some of the symptoms from time to time, but um, it's, you know, we're very far from a comprehensive understanding of like what memory is, what happiness is, what anxiety is, et cetera. I mean, we just, we're really, you know, at level zero and, and we need to make a lot more progress to be able to help people. So I think that's like a really big area um, you know, there's other diseases we, we still have to get our, you know, do a better job of getting a handle on. But, you know, in terms of basic understanding, it feels like the neurosciences are just a massive opportunity. I was curious about Cesar's work in, with, you know, kind of neuro neuromicrobiology. <laughs> you know, that seems kind of exciting, Cesar, on your website. Um, there's just, you know, that, that I'm like curious how that all works. But, you know, there's just so many new ideas needed for us to try to figure out what's going on above the collarbone, you know, north of the collarbone in our bodies. Anything you want to contribute, Cesar? That's a really um, fascinating point that he makes, that Amir makes. Sure. I mean, I, I certainly concur with Amir in uh, his uh, commentary on the importance of trying to understand the brain and behavior and, you know, how this uh, number of, you know, composition of cells uh, influence the way we feel, you know, our mood, our behavior, etc. And so really that's a, that's a huge uh, frontier of knowledge. Um, that, and, and like Amir said, uh, we're really at the, at the very first steps of, of, of that uh, understanding. Uh, in particular, you know, in my lab, we are uh, exploring the interconnection between uh, the microbes that live in our bodies and, and the brain uh, in a field that we called neuromicrobiology, uh, really trying to dig into uh, that intersection. And uh, particularly, simply we're interested in, in learning how those microbes uh, that are the natural inhabitants of our bodies that have co-evolved with us for billions of years of evolution, um, how the, the influence, uh, the way we feel how we influence, they influence our behavior, uh, the way we digest certain foods, and and so on. And so they're really, essentially, um, 
they're really uh, um, they've co-evolved with us, and so there's a lot of uh, sort of um, uh, commonalities or, or things that these microbes are actually uh, helping us with in our day-to-day -day lives, and so uh, and including the brain, right? Like I mentioned, and so really trying to tease out uh, those uh, those connections. Uh, is something that uh, motivates us uh, substantially in, in, in the laboratory. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation, guys, but we're out of time. I do want to thank you both for spending time with us today, so thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. Now, our guests today have been Dr. Amir Nishat and Dr. Cesar De La Fuente. For more details about the topics we discussed or to find out more about the Doing a World of Good campaign, visit doingaworldofgood.org. And that does it for this episode of Doing a World of Good. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, search for us on your favorite podcast directory or visit doingaworldofgood.org. On behalf of everyone at the American Institute of Chemical Engineers, I'm Bob Norp. Thanks for listening.